0: Hey, hey hey! welcome to my podcast, my name is Roberto Portillo and this is titled Give a Little Love and today we're going to be giving a little love to the brave souls who um, are dedicating their careers to education or anyone who wants to further connect with their students on a culturally uh, relevant level. Um, particularly, we're going to be um, discussing high school students, uh, marginalized youth, who traditionally happen to be students of color and how to uh, find different ways to connect with them um, and so we're going to be discussing Tara Jay Yoso's community cultural wealth uh, what that framework looks like uh, what what its history is and, and examples of it um, and the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because there's there's this uh, yearly um, assembly that our district has, where we meet at one of the comprehensive high schools, um, they trade off every year, and pretty much all the suits are there. The superintendent is there. They bring in a guest speaker to just to hype up the hype up the 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 district in terms of vision and um, and that type of thing. And there's this survey that they give all the new incoming staff, whether you're certificated or or classified and it just has to do with like demographics um your nationality what your academic uh academic institution like where you're like where you went to school favorite local teams and then the last question that they speak about was um what's the biggest fear of your first or what's the biggest fear of your first day of school and then there's a lot of there's a lot of responses that have to do with like you know not waking up on time uh, not being prepared Uh, not connecting with students and so uh, this podcast is actually intended to minimize some of those fears and actually relying on the assets um, that students bring to our instructional programs and this is why is this important I think this is important because there will be times where your practice your craft Uh, needs to evolve it may not be working with your students Um, and rather than blaming the students and uh, thinking that either them or their families don't care about their education um, maybe these deficit uh, lens ideologies are more uh, should be a reflection that maybe your develop your craft hasn't developed enough and I I feel that personally like I think about my training I just I felt like there was so much more that I needed um before becoming a counselor and I thought about my just my professional experience or my training um and how limited it was you know like I I, we, we go to school and this is pretty common among teachers and counselors and administrators you know we get our undergraduate degree whatever four years and then we go into a two-year credentialing program and then boom we're in the classroom Um, but there's so much more that we haven't learned yet and so you know if we examine our training like I said you get four-year degree plus two-year credentialing and you're there but how much of it is actually culturally relevant training Um, how much it has to do with with pedagogy that that that's going to be culturally relevant to your community um when we especially when we're dealing with marginalized youth and students of color uh who come from t- like so many different ethnic socioeconomic backgrounds and upbringings um same thing with administrators right you, you can get a you can get a, a credential in a year and a lot of it has to do with budgeting assessments theory um, but how much of that is culturally relevant leadership, and so, and so this is this is really an opportunity to kind of uh, expose us to to other tools um, that could help us connecting with our students and our families, and so Terry also does this really wonderful job of explaining the realities of Latinx. Uh, students um, at, tw- at the turn of the 21st century. And she speaks of, she, she illustrates this picture starting with 100 Chicano Chicano students, right? So we're starting with 100 of them. Of those 100, uh, 56 will drop out, right? So we're left with 44 that continue to graduate from high school of that 44 who graduate from high school, 26 continue to some form of post-secondary education. So whether that's career technical education, whether that's college, both, whatever, um, we're now left with 26. So we went from 100 down to 26. Of the 26, approximately 17 enroll in a community college and nine of them enroll at a four-year institution, right? So. Of that 26, we have nine who go to a four-year uh, institution, and of that nine, uh, seven will graduate with a bachelor's degree. So again, we're starting from a hundred Chicano-Chicano students to now seven who graduate with a bachelor's degree, and then of those of of those uh, seven who graduate with a bachelor's, two of them will continue to earn a graduate degree or professional school degree. Um, and so we're now left with two of them with master's degrees level and of those two who originally came from that hundred less than one of them will receive a doctorate degree so this is really important because somewhere down the line we, we need to find ways to have this number grow to be more representative of the uh, community and So I really think it's important to look at uh, Terra Jayoso's community cultural wealth as an opportunity to look at these assets that our students bring to our instructional programs. And so community cultural wealth, what is it? You know, it's it's a framework rooted in critical race theory to help us identify um, perhaps blind spots that we don't know that our students bring to our schools, to our institutions. Um, and find ways to create more spaces for them to develop these capitals and these assets and so critical race theory a little bit of history of that it originated in law schools in the 80s um, with a bunch with a group of scholars who were examining and challenging race and racism uh, in, the, in the legal system and our society and so their argument was that critical legal study scholarship didn't really listen to the lived experiences and histories of color so we were looking at uh, we were looking at uh, data but we weren't really looking or or studying the qualitative data and so the lived experiences is part of that right and so terry Yoso talks about these six capitals that our students bring to us and there are at are that are really at our disposal to just really explore and, and connect with our students and um, help them find ways to, to develop them. And I think that's, a, I think that's definitely a, a job or a task that we should embrace. And so the first one is aspirational capital, and that's really the ability to maintain hope uh, and dreams for the future, even in the face of boundaries. And I can really think the the way to really, um, conceptualize this is just thinking about the American dream. You know, it's, you know, everyone has come here at one point or another to become a better version of themselves. And that to me is aspirational capital. And so if we can help students find the best versions or point them in a direction, guide them in a direction to become the better versions of themselves, that's aspirational capital linguistic capital is the second one and that's intellectual and social skills learned through communication experiences um in more than one language or style and that's really knowledge that is bestowed on us by our elders um in in their native tongue that i don't think can be duplicated i just recently saw this uh this uh show on netflix called we are the champions and it's about this cheese rolling contest that they have in england in this little village on this hill that's like steeper than 45 degrees. And so what they're doing is they're rolling down this, it's a block of cheese and people are just sprinting down this mountain and they're, they're, I mean, they are fracturing bones. They're getting knocked out because this hill is so steep, but there is no, well, I wouldn't say that there isn't any, but I couldn't find any written history on on this cheese rolling contest that that they're they're discussing. I mean I, I would be surprised if JSTOR or Google Scholar had anything uh about this, but it's something that is an experience um in England in this little village. And so the only way that history was passed down is through just spectators and participants, right? So that that is linguistic capital navigational capital refers to the skills used to maneuver through social institutions. You know, I remember as a kid, um, filling out checks for my mom because she just, she, she didn't have the written skills or, or, or the reading ability to, to, to read in English. So I was always translating whether it was at the bank, whether it was at the grocery store. Um, And that's something that I, I, I just, I, never thought anything of I just something that was just used to um and so that's navigational capital social capital are networks of people and community resources um and this one like we can agree to disagree but to me it's really not so much who you know as much as who knows you right and so I think about like president-elect Biden I know him but he doesn't know me and yet he's had such a He's going to have a, he been, he's had a profound uh, effect of my life over eight years as vice president with his policies and that type of thing, and now we're looking at potentially another eight, maybe, um, as president. And so again, social capital, uh, to me, is more about who knows you and how much uh, in Spanish we say at espaldo, like who's got your back, right? Who's there to support you? That, that's where the capital comes into it comes into effect familial capital is is cultural knowledges nurtured among family that carry a sense of community history memory or cultural intuition you know so we're looking at like if we're asking students like hey man like what's your favorite home what's your favorite uh home-cooked meal what kind of music you know do you do you listen to at home or your parents do um and i can think about just like as a kid like uh you know, when we we're at parties, whether it was your deal, my mom, or, or, or a cousin, like when they, when you're at a party and they grabbed you to dance, like there was no saying no, you just danced. <laughs> and so there's that cultural, uh, component that, that familial component that you just, this, this is what you did. Right. And I also think about just my abuelitos pupusas. And for those of you who don't know, pupusas are this Salvadorian dish, um, but if you really don't, have, you never, if you've never had them, I, you know, go look them up right now and go order yourself three. I'm serious. These things are out of this world. Um, delicious, delicious. But that's familial capital. Um, and that's something that I think that as, as we're working in diverse communities with people, with students from different ethnic backgrounds, it's really important to, to know a little bit more about them and, and uh, just connecting with their families i think is 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 one way to to bridge the uh the gap between the community and our institutions um, and create spaces for them to feel much more comfortable and at home and then the last one is resistance capital and this is really uh knowledges and skills cultivated through behavior that challenge inequality um, and when students recognize that there that there are structures of oppression, um, then they get motivated towards social and racial justice. I can think about right now just the Black Lives Matter movement. That's always been a movement, but it's been amplified um, uh, just much more. Um, and our students, at least my students, they're they're talking about it. They're they want to know. Um, what it's about where, where what's why is it so important and how they contribute and so that resistance capital i think is is huge um in terms of creating spaces for them to express themselves and learn and 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 push um the future in a better place you know i really do feel that and so and so these capitals are are assets that students bring to our instructional programs and tools that you have at your, that you have in your tool belt that you can connect with, um, they connect with our students that, that to them, this is all second nature, right? Whether you're, whether, yeah, whether, you know, whether you, you want them to think about aspirations, it's like, this is what they've been hearing. You know, they, they've heard this, go to school, become the better version of yourself, whether, it's linguistic capital it's like hey you know just like tell me more about your upbringing tell me about like where your family's from like what do you guys do for x y and z like just learning more about other cultures is just such an important piece or it's the navigational capital you know like like i said like i remember just signing my mom like like signing checks for her and like writing um just I just so much that as a kid I just never thought of that helped me navigate these spaces for my mom um social capital just not so much who I know but who knows me um there's so much there's an asset there that 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 we as educators can be it's like man like I know these students the, I know this student and like what can what more can I do for them um as a professional in our setting familial capital um Again, just getting to know them a little bit more, There's just their upbringings um, and resistance capitals, just creating spaces for them to grow as individuals, as contributing members of our society um, and pushing the generations ahead of us and towards a a space where we're just more connected. And so I leave you with these thoughts um, as tools that you can rely on. if you find yourself struggling uh, with your students, whether it's individually, collectively, or your curriculum needs a boost, you know, I really do believe um, that we're all friends who haven't met yet, and if we can learn a little bit more of one another, then I think we're heading in the right space. Um, and it's bridging that gap that institutions have created that are that are separating us, um, and so uh, th- there's, there's this other podcast that we, we heard, um, or we were assigned and it was Brene Brown talking about shame. And the one her number one mantra, my takeaway was really, I, I really dug it. You know, she's, she says, I'm here to get it right. I'm not here to be right. And if we can live in that spirit, I think that's really powerful. Um, and so I offer you, uh, Yoso's six capitals community cultural wealth um, as as tools to to not feel alone to not feel like uh, all the burden is on you um, our, our students bring these assets to our programs and if we can just kind of peel the layers we'll see that uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of wealth um, in 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 our community so Thank you for listening to my podcast uh, named Give a Little Love. And we'll see you at the next podcast where we're going to be discussing privilege. Um, You have it. I have it. How can our experiences help us better understand privilege? So let's break it down while giving a little love. All right, y'all. Peace.